Will you please stand with me for the reading of God's word? From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with the song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Amen. Let's pray before we move any further here. God, we're thankful for your leadership and your guidance and your Holy Spirit. Um, We just ask that you would lead us and guide us this morning. Um, In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, good morning. Uh, It's been such a blessed uh, weekend so far, and God's been so good uh, throughout the last couple services, and we're just praying that uh, this this last service that, um, that God just continues to do. Uh, his thing. So welcome again. Uh, welcome to those who are watching online, streaming, uh, praying for Pastor Nick who stayed home and streamed this morning. He's found out he had tonsillitis and uh, has to have his tonsils removed on Tuesday. So be praying for that. Be praying for him and um, hoping for, uh, praying for the best. Um, all right. So, and wild night last night, right? All right. So we're the Cub fans, right? Who's super excited right now. Last night I was like, I was saying, hey, yeah, where are my Cub fans? I'm like, okay, it's, it was like 6 o'clock. I'm like, I've got you for like a half hour, and then you're checked out, you know, so I better, better work on this. So I actually grew up a Dodgers fan, okay, so show, show some grace, show some grace, all right? I'm not like, I'm not as bold as Pastor Brent, who he like, he comes up in a, you know, in a Minnesota Wild jersey or Vikings jersey. I thought, well, I'm preaching, maybe I should come up in my L.A. Dodgers cap, and I thought, you know what, I value my life too much in order <laughs> To do that, like, I'd be safer dressing up as a clown and walking around right now than dressing up as a Dodgers fan, all right? So, um, so I avoided that, but pretty exciting stuff. And, and then there was the storm last night. So like, I woke up, and it was probably 2 in the morning, and it's just windy, and like, I'm here. it just sounds like it's pounding outside. I thought I was in Brent's message from last week, you know, where he, he, when he was preaching, he had this storm sound effects and, and, um, and all that all that fun stuff. So um, crazy night. But uh, just to let you know, there's no uh, notes or anything in the back. If you want to take notes, you can do so on the back of your program. Um, there's no shower buddies. So um, you got to shower uh, by yourself, I guess, this week, um, which is appropriate, right? That, that's normal. But no, if, you, if, you, if this is your first week, you're like, what are they talking about? Um, yeah, so each, each week we've had these uh, little shower buddies, little laminated cards with scripture on them, just a reminder. 
stick in your shower, like as you take a shower, you're reading, reading scripture and uh, being reminded of, of these truths. So we may have some from previous weeks uh, in the back, but uh, um, none for this week. So we've been in this series on Jonah. And again, if this is your first week, this image is not going to make sense to you. You're going to be like, what does Jonah have to do with Toby Keith and ISIS and Gilligan's Island. Well, um, just a reminder, you can go back and read um, uh, or listen to some of the podcasts and watch, uh, I think, watch some of the videos um, from prior weeks to get caught up. Um, If you ever miss a week, make sure uh, you do that. But whenever I come uh, to study the Word of God, I'm, I'm kind of a big picture thinker, and I like to come back and say, okay, before we like move forward. Let's remind ourselves, okay, who's Jonah and what is he doing and who's Israel? Because sometimes we can come to God's word and read a story like Jonah or read about the life of David or uh, Isaiah or, and, and come away with it as if this is like a morality tale. Like just, okay, what's the moral of the story? Like don't, you know, run from God. And, um, but that's, scriptures, that's not what scripture is there for. This is a story um, about him. And, uh, but I want to, I want to step back and say, okay, what, who, who are the prophets? What is Israel? And it goes back to Genesis 12, right? God calls this nation Israel. And he says, you're going to, he calls Abraham. He says, you're going to be the father of a nation that will be a blessing to the whole world. I'm going to work through you. And you, you go to Exodus and you have this, you Moses leading these people. And he says, God wants to come into covenant with you. Do you accept this? Would you like to go into, you know, covenant with, with God? And the people say, yes, we will be that nation. And this nation, Israel, was called to be a reflection of God and, and a reflection of the goodness of God and to be a blessing to the whole world. So then you get to the prophets, right? And Moses is considered a, a prophet. And, um, but then you get to like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, all the, the 12 minor prophets, which Jonah is one of them. Um, the prophets essentially were the ones who called Israel back to what they had agreed to, right? Like you, you as a nation have been called for the specific purpose. And this idolatry that you're practicing and the things that you've done in this nation are horrible because they're the very thing that are keeping you from living out who God got, has called you to be. And so the prophets essentially, um, they took basically the, the newspaper in one hand, right? The current events of the day, the current reality, and scripture in the other. Um, and they said, where are we off? Where are we not following God? And um, they were covenant enforcement mediators, right? So they reinforced the covenant that Israel was in with God, that the message was God's message. They're direct representatives of God, and the message was really unoriginal. You look at so much of what the, uh, the prophets um, say and, and preach and the things that they said, and so much of it you can trace right back to the book of Deuteronomy. Like there, God says, hey, if you, you know, do this, if this situation comes up, um, you will be cursed because um, this is not a part of my, my plan. So they, they essentially, everything that they said, you can kind of look at the book of Deuteronomy and some of the things that God tells them there. That's all the prophets are really reminding them of and, and speaking to them about and encouraging them in. And so um, we're, we're in this book of Jonah and, and Errol's been calling this, you know, the God of the awkward call because it was, it was like this weird call that, that God had to, to on Jonah's life um, but uh, this week, it's, it's the God of the awkward hurl, 
right? Okay, because there's more than one awkward hurl that happens uh, in this uh, in this passage. He gets hurled into the sea, and then he gets hurled out of the whale. So, um, sorry, not the the fish. The, the scripture says the fish. There's a lot of debate about about uh, that stuff, and that's not where we're going to go. Um, this morning. So, um, but this book, uh, this story that we've been following so far, and, and if you're in your Bibles and you're open to Genesis, or Genesis, geez, my, my mind is, you know when your mind like moves way too fast for your mouth to speak? That's what's happening right now. So I'm going to slow down. If you're in Jonah 2, we're going to get back there, but um, we're going we're gonna to hold on because um, Jonah, as we've been looking at the past couple of weeks, God gives him this call on his life, and Jonah runs from it. But then, this is what I love. Jonah, once he's, he's, he's kind of got to the lowest of low, and he realizes, man, this is my fault. This is my issue. And the sailors are you know, suffering because of it. What does he do? He owns it. He owns it. And I love this, this piece of the story this week that, that Jonah decides to own the very thing that, um, the very thing that, that God is causing to happen. Because again, this book is about God and, and God has called Jonah to speak to this nation. Jonah's unique in that um, it wasn't just like a message to Israel it was showing, it was a glimpse of God's plan for the Gentiles too. Because he said, Jonah, y- the nation, you're, you're supposed to be not just, not just in, in Israel, but you're going to be a blessing to the whole nations. And I want to give this nation and the Ninevites an opportunity to repent and turn to me and worship me. And Jonah resisted that. But that call, that Genesis 12 call, that's still us today, right? Like we're still, and I love that we've got missions weekend going on. Because that's, that's what these guys are doing. They're living out that Genesis 12 call to be a blessing to the nations, to spread the gospel in the different various contexts that they are in. And I love Kayla's story. as She's near and dear to my heart. Um, she, oh, there she is. Hey, Kayla. Um, Kayla was just a, 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 she came through our youth ministries and awesome, awesome. Spent time in St. Lucia on mission trip with her. And when I knew she was going on a world race, I thought, oh, that's so great. She went. Uh, Sydney Monroe went. Awesome. I love that Abby and, and Alyssa are going. They're two of our student leaders this year, seniors in high school. And I love that they're getting exposed, like getting a global perspective of the church. And, and, and my question to us this morning is, how does that look like in your life right now? Are you being the blessing? Are you being the missionary that God has called you to be. Those of you who are following Jesus, you don't live where you live by accident. I've been seeing this in my own life. Back in June, God called us to, um, I felt like God, God was calling us to move. He had provided this opportunity, this situation where we felt like it was God's Holy Spirit that was leading us. But he wasn't just leading us to a new house where we'd have, it wasn't like, hey, we're going to, I want to bless you. I want to give you an extra bathroom and like an extra room so your kid, you know, the kids can have, one of them can have their own room and the two boys can be. It wasn't just, hey, you need a little more space because you're cramped or crowded. Because it's like, come on, we could, every, we can all get by with, with, with whatever. We live, anyway. So, but he I wasn't just blessing just for you. You are to be a missionary where you're at. 
And so from day one, we, it was our heart, mine and, and my wife's, that, that this was going to be a gospel opportunity, this new house that we were going to be in. And I'm telling you, the last two months since we've been there, it's been so amazing to see how God has provided for that and provided opportunities and connected us with people. Like we've got believers who live next door. We've got believers who live like kind of kitty quarter from us. They're in last service, but um, I, I love it because like we're, we feel like, okay, in my mind, like, hey, we're on the same team and we're trying to reach our neighborhood and impact and influence our neighborhood with the love of Christ. And I found myself, um, a couple of weeks in, uh, some neighbors came in and they said, hey, we saw your kids playing outside and my kids wanted to meet your kids. And, and it was great because all of a sudden, you know, 20 minutes later, I'm in his kitchen and he's working on his like backsplash to his kitchen. And we're talking about God and the scriptures and what it means to have a healthy marriage. And I, in my mind, I'm thinking, God, thank you. This is like what you have put me for to love my neighbor well and to figure that out and figure out how I can do that. I skipped Saturday service a couple weeks ago because there was a, a little block party that was going on. I thought I need to be there because I just, I want to meet, you know, the people in my neighborhood and listen to God, follow God's lead to see how can I love them well and meet their needs and share, um, share Jesus with them, to be Jesus to them. So how, where, how are you doing in that? Where are you at in that call on your life? Because that's the very thing that God has called Jonah to do. And when he runs from God's call, right, he owns it. This idea of ownership is so key. It's so important and, and kind of a, a, the theme of where we're headed this morning. Now, I've been reading, I read a lot of different weird stuff, um, not just uh, my Bible. I read my Bible, but I also read other stuff too, like just people who are different from me, because I love learning from people who do something totally different from me. And this guy does something totally different from me. His name is Jocko Willink. I know you're looking, you're like, he looks like a serial killer, man. Who is this guy? And he, and he actually says that. Like I listen to his podcast, he's like, I know I look like a serial killer, but he's a super humble guy and he teaches about leadership, but he was an ex, he's an ex-Navy SEAL. And you're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Ex-Navy SEAL was a commander over like different SEAL platoons and then trained SEALs. Now he trains uh, MMA fighters. He's real big into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I'm like, ah, I need to, I need to get back and do some Brazilian jiu-jitsu because I'm going to have a bunch of Cubs fans here coming after me. Um, but like, he, uh, he wrote this book on leadership and the title, it, it, all the lessons came from lessons on the battlefield. And the title of the book came from this, um, this, this specific situation in which uh, basically the army was firing on this building that a, a SEAL team was inside. And they didn't know it was night outside. The, the, uh, there was some communication breakdown. And he, sh- he rolls up onto the situation. And it's like, what's happening? And the army guy's like, yeah, you know, there's enemy. We've been taking enemy fire and we've been firing back, but we're at the stalemate. And he was so, there he's confused because he's like, this, this shouldn't be happening. And so he's like, hold on. And he, he literally walks to the building, opens the door. And like one of his SEAL platoon leaders was like in there, like white, you know, like, uh, freaked out like just like he had seen a ghost because all night they've been taking this barrage of fire and he realized it was what they call a blue-on-blue situation like friendly fire one of the worst things that can happen and thankfully um, there weren't any American lives that were that were lost um, because of that but he gets a call from the higher-ups they said hey stop all operations we're coming out I want you to find out what who's responsible for this where did, it, where did the issue, where does the issue lie? And here's what he writes. He got all the you know, team together, the higher-ups, they all came together. 
And as commander, he says, you know whose fault this is? You know who gets all the blame for this? And the entire group sat there in silence, including the CO, the CMC, and the investigating officer. No doubt they were wondering who I'd hold responsible. And finally, he says, I took a deep breath and I said, there's only one person to blame for this. Me. I'm the commander. I'm responsible for the entire operation. And as the senior man, I'm responsible for every action that takes place on the battlefield. There's no one to blame but me. And I'll tell you this right now. I'll make sure that nothing like this ever happens to us again. And the title of his book is called Extreme Ownership. Because he realized, you know, we can play that, that, that blame game, but in the end, we're responsible for our own actions. And it's so important. Like this idea of ownership is something that we've got to take a hold of. We've got to do. And trust me, I've, I've been working with teenagers for the last 15 years. If there's anyone who doesn't take ownership of stuff, it's teenagers, right? So, you, I, mean, I mean, when you're at camp and you're like, what made you think that licking gummy bears and sticking them to the ceiling, creating this rainbow, you know, ceiling of gummy bears was a good idea? It's, what? What? It, no, what? What? Adam Prime? Um, I love him. He's one of my best friends. He's an awesome dude, and he's serving in the military. Thank you for your service. You're awesome. Um, I don't even know if he's watching. Uh, but, you know, it, it, and it's a good that, that teenagers grow up, and then uh, all of a sudden they learn that lesson of ownership. And they don't, I mean, as adults, like, we never blame anyone else, right? Yeah, it's great that everybody grows up. Um, no, this is an issue that we have. And so Jonah is in this situation, and he finally takes ownership. And again, okay, so this is a book about God and about what God is doing. So God calls Jonah. God, um, it says, uh, God sends the storm. And what does God do? When Jonah finally owns up to his situation, owns up to his sin, stops running, God provides. God provides. I love that. The fish in this story is not a punishment, it's a provision. It's not the most comfortable provision, but it's a provision. It says, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And here's what I want us to remember. Here's, if you had notes, this, is, this would be like the only thing that was, or maybe one of two things that's on there. This is what it would be. Ownership of our sin ultimately leads to our deliverance. Ownership of our sin ultimately leads to our deliverance. When we can get past tolerating sin and we can own it, it leads to deliverance. Again, it may not lead to a place of comfort at the time. However, it will lead to deliverance. So here's Jonah, right? And Jonah 2 is where we're going to hang out. And you have to use your imagination a bit, right? I don't think Jonah was just tossed like, you know, from the deck of the ship into the mountain. You know, a huge fish comes out and all the sailors are like, whoa, you know, and he should swallow it up. No, I think he was tossed into the water and it was, and I, I'm from Southern California, so I've done some surfing and, and I've been in some sketchy situations where I probably shouldn't have been out there where I'm like paddling and a wave comes and 
I'm like, oh, paddle harder, paddle harder. And then it's just like, and it crashes down and you get thrown off and you feel like you're in a washing machine. You don't know which way is up, which way is down. You're just holding your breath, hoping that soon you will pop up above the, the, you know, above the surface of the water and, and be able to breathe again. And so Jonah, you imagine he's in this situation. All this stuff is happening. It's chaos. And he's probably thinking, hey, this is it. I deserve this. And I imagine perhaps, you know, he's like half drowned, almost passes out and all of a sudden he comes to and he's, he's somewhere. I don't, I don't think he knew probably at first where exactly he was. But it's this cold, damp place and probably smelled terrible. And he's, he's there. And um, what does he do? He doesn't complain about his circumstance. All right? He, he doesn't moan. He's taken ownership. He's been ready to face the consequences. And then he responds in worship. And that's what Jonah 2 is. It's worship. It's a psalm of thanksgiving. Scholars, you know, who, who know the psalms real well, they look at Jonah's psalm and they say, man, yeah, that's patterned as a song of thanksgiving. That in one of the worst places that he could find himself, one of the, uh, a, a terrible situation that he found himself in, he mustered the courage to praise God and worship him. And it's so beautiful. Here's what it says. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He didn't wait like, well, God, you know, once you get me on dry land, then I'll kind of worship. No, in the pit of this fish, Jonah prays to God. In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help. And you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep. There's a God of the awkward hurl. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas. And the currents swirled about me and all your waves and breakers swept over me. Yeah, there's that picture. He was in this state of this despair of chaos. I said, I've been banished from your sight. And yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you toward your holy temple. Even in the midst of the pain and suffering in his life, like literally, like ebbing away and like this is it. Jonah says, I remembered you, God. And I looked toward you in worship and praise. Verse 8, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And so there's this picture where he's, he's committed now to living out the call that God has placed on his life to be who God has called him to be. And he says, I will follow through with that, God. Because salvation comes from you. And then it says, the Lord 
Again, this is about what God is doing in the life of Jonah. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited him. It hurled him onto dry land. Deliverance. He was delivered in the belly of the fish, but it was an already but not yet deliverance, right? So he was there and ultimate deliverance back onto land. My question is, is where do you need deliverance in your life right now? Some of you, you're in a situation that you've got stuff you need to own. And you've got stuff that, that you have been hiding. And you've just got to own it. And we could spend so much time trying to blame our spouse or blame um, our kid or our coworker or our neighbor or somebody else in our life. And yet there's stuff that we have got to own. Because until we can own it, we will not experience the freedom that comes from being delivered. We've got to confess it and own it. And, and trust me, I'm not just kind of standing up here trying to point the finger at you here or online or wherever you are. This is a message for me. I need to hear this because I know there's stuff in my life that I tolerate, even if it's just little, somewhat inconsequential in my mind sin, that I just allow to fester. It may be an attitude or a white lie, or um, a, th- a thought pattern that I just need to own and get out in the open and deal with. And the problem oftentimes, more than not, 99% of the time, is not out there. It's in here. And I've got to own it and face up to the consequences, get right with God, and respond in worship. And know that even, even when I bring stuff from darkness to light, that it's going to cause, it might cause pain. It might not be pleasant. You might have to sit in the belly of a whale for a time, three days or three months, maybe even three years. And that in that situation, cry out to God and worship him. When I was reflecting this week on um, just pray, trying to praise God in those, those tough situations, those painful situations. I was reminded of um, when I was, I got married in 2005. It's my wife, Amy. We've been married for 11 years. And, um, but 10 months into my marriage, I get a call from, from my dad. And um, I knew that their marriage was not super healthy, but it had gotten to the point where um, some decisions started to be made on um, my mom's side of it, and, and there was discussion, and, and, and it wasn't looking good. It was looking um, like divorce. And, and as a young pastor, as a junior high pastor, like I just started, just graduated from school. I'd only been married for 10 months, and my dad is calling me, and, and just being in a situation where he's just weeping, like crying, and I'm on the phone, like thinking, God, what do I say? Or what do I do? And this stinks. Like, because for me, it's like, man, I don't want to, I don't want to be in this situation. You know, I'm thinking about my own marriage. I'm thinking about him and praying for him. And, and, and so we're talking, and um, in the midst of it, he pauses, and he says, but in all this pain, he says, I've never felt closer to God than I do right now. 
forever. And it, I'll never forget that. It blew me away that in the midst of like one of the most gut-wrenching, and some of you, you know people have been there. Some of you are, have been there before, and some of you are maybe in it right now. In the midst of that, he was mustering the, the courage and strength to worship God and find in the midst of this painful situation that there were depths of his relationship with God that he did not yet know and had yet to experience. And my encouragement, if you're in the pit of that whale right now, if, well, I keep on, well, if you're in the pit of the fish, if you're in the belly, and you're just like, man, this stinks. This stinks. Reach out to this community. Reach out to your small group. Reach out to one of us as pastors. We'd love to talk and just say, okay, how, how can we find the courage to praise God in our current circumstance and situation, even though we know it may take some time for it to work out. We're not going to wait. We're going to praise God and pray for deliverance. And inevitably, there will be scars. There will be wounds. And one of my favorite uh, bands, I mentioned them last time, this band Switchfoot, their title track from their new album It's called Where the Light Shines Through. The chorus is, your scars shine like dark stars. The wound is where the light shines through. The wounds and scars that we carry in our lives are what oftentimes show the most goodness and and mercy of God. It's through those tough situations, those difficult things in which God shines through. And that's a faith step. We got to trust that. We got to trust that what we own and the consequences that we're going to face from that are going to be used by God. And here's where, um, here's where we'll kind of wrap it up. This is, this, is, this is amazing. This is awesome. Okay, Matthew 12. Okay, Jesus refers back to Jonah. All right? Jesus refers back to Jonah, and um, he, uh, in verse 38, it says, Some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. And he answered, Hey, a wicked and adulterous generation asked for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And he was. He was crucified. He suffered, was killed, was buried in a tomb. And by the power of God and the resurrection was delivered. And here's the cool part. Watch this. Jesus took ownership of our sin, which leads to our ultimate deliverance. Amen? Jesus took ownership of the sin that wasn't his. He said, I'm going to own this for you because I know, I know that there's nothing that you can, can do about it. I'm going to own it for you. And 1 John 1, 9, of course, says, if you would confess your sin, 
God is faithful. He's just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So friend, where do you need to own it today? What situation or sin in your life do you just own and surrender to God? Because when we own that, we will find deliverance. When we surrender it to Jesus, our ultimate deliverance, eternity, can start now. He wants to rescue and save. But we've got to own it. The worship team is going to come out. And I want you to just bow your heads and close your eyes and just consider right now, where is God leading your heart Like I said, some of you need deliverance so bad and it's so difficult right now for you to find the strength to muster to worship God in your current reality and situation. But Jesus says, bring it to me. Bring it to me and I will carry it. And so friends, as we worship, just use this time to express your heart to God, to experience the deliverance that he has planned for your life as you surrender to him. Mm -hmm.